All right, welcome to the MCU Exchange Podcast. I am Caleb, and with me as always, that is just like last week, we have Rhiannon and Adam. Do you guys want to go ahead and say hi? Hey guys, nice to be back again. It is awesome to be back. I am proud to say I have yet to listen to a full Christmas carol. I'm not sure if that's good or bad, but... <laughs> oh, it's <I> terrible. To... <laughs> I'm In our family, November 1st, like, we set our alarms on November 1st to Christmas music, and we get a full two months of it in the Borchers household, so I would I be always so saddened. T- I know, I always tune out, because there's always, like, a radio station in the market that's nothing but Christmas carols. I just haven't tuned in yet. I don't know. I must be feeling like Scrooge this year. <laughs> Well, I have visited every Christmas market in New York and Philadelphia and not bought any Christmas presents at all. So I, I wandered New York in the snow Sunday and got distracted by taking pictures of water towers instead of buying Christmas presents. That's still pretty That's, cool to see that stuff. The water towers. I just get so distracted taking pictures of water towers. But anyways, you kind of convince yourself that you'll see Daredevil flying around on one of those rooftops. <laughs> I, you know, if my computer would stop crashing, I would totally be photoshopping Daredevil into these pictures of water towers that I took. <laughs> it may happen. <laughs> Just follow on Twitter. I'll post if I ever get around to it. But uh, yeah, yeah, my family will understand. All right. Well, let's jump on into the show. Um, this is kind of a light news week, so what we're going to do is we're going to cover a little bit of news, and then we kind of have um, a section we'll talk about the Slingshot one-shot. Uh, it's not a one-shot. The Slingshot um, limited series or whatever they're calling it. Uh, Adam and I saw that, and we'll talk about that a bit. Uh, and then we'll jump into kind of two other conversations. Uh, one bit where we'll talk about uh, great holiday gifts for that Marvel fan in your life. And then we'll finish up with a conversation about 2016 in review, uh, plus our If I Were Jeff Loeb, Kevin Feige thing. So jumping into the news, our Daily Bugle headlines for this week. Uh, not too much going on. We did have James Gunn, however, talking about what's coming in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And one of the things that he mentioned is that there is definitely not going to be any Nova coming to us. Um Guys, I guess we'll start uh, with Rhiannon. Are you excited? Not excited? Do you care about Nova? Um, what are your thoughts? I know so little about Nova that this one passed right over me. I think I bought my first Nova comic last week. It's possible. And I just realized I haven't read it. So, um, <laughs> so you're a big I, yeah. time fan. That's what you're telling us. <laughs> gonna no yeah sorry <laughs> no that's fine adam do you care about nova or is this maybe one of the reasons marvel is not introducing this character yeah i guess i was a little bit surprised that they had xandar in the nova Corps in the, the the first movie um without introducing nova himself um i'm a little surprised i mean it's I'm not going to be heartbroken if he doesn't show up in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 because, I mean, we've already seen Baby Groot and he can really cover any absence. So, I mean, yeah, cool if if there's a cameo or a, or a reference. You know, there's been speculation that 
Stallone's either playing an older version of Richard Ryder or maybe uh, Sam Alexander's dad and Sam Alexander's the the new Nova or whatever. Um, so there's been speculation on that. Uh, if one of those things happens, cool. If not, I, I don't really want Stallone to play uh, Richard Ryder himself, but um, heck, let him play Jesse Alexander. That's a tie-in for a future Nova, you know. Yeah, I think that we were talking at one point um, internally at MCU Exchange about um, why they would have the Nova Corps but not have, like, Nova himself. And I think that there's kind of this logical progression that could happen here where Xandar has sort of one level of defenses and then because of what Ronan does in Guardians of the Galaxy, they realize that they really have to step it up a notch and kind of get higher level security for the planet. And that is where they develop a program of a set of soldiers of whom, you know, what we call as Nova is one of them. I think that would be really cool. Um, I'm a little surprised by this just because I would think that this would be a character they'd want to expand in. Um, I would think they want to add some more people to that side of the universe. I'm still interested to see if we're going to get Adam Warlock or not. But I, I think it's just inevitable that we'll get more cosmic people in the universe. And so it's a little surprising to me that they're taking their time, but it also seems like James Gunn has sort of authority over outer space in a way that maybe other directors don't. And he kind of wants Peter Quill to be the only human character in the movie. And if that's what he wants, that's what he gets. And so we'll, we'll see if Nova comes along, you know, sometime here in the future. Absolutely. You know, if in Guardians 1, you know, when Ronan's crashing his huge, gigantic ship into Xandar, you know, if there was an event that happened on Xandar that we would see Nova in, it'd be something like that. So maybe if we look at that battle scene closely, we might see like a shooting star type deal. And maybe that's the huge Easter egg. Who knows? Um, You know, but if they don't show Nova an event like that, um, I just have a hard time seeing it. But as the the MCU does progress towards Infinity War, you know, it is hard to believe we don't see a Nova or we don't have an Adam Warlock in here yet. You know, I would expect at least in Guardians 2 to have a reference or a, an Easter egg or a cameo of sorts. Um, I mean, we had the, the cocoon and guardians one but that turns out it might be aisha's um you know so i would expect i mean you can't have infinity war without adam warlock can you i don't i don't think so i wouldn't try to do it without him like he's so important but then again we just we don't know like it was really easy to say how could you do civil war without you know speedball but there's there's ways they do this. You know, they mess with storylines. Age of Ultron does not look remotely like Age of Ultron in the comics. So who knows if they just kind of go a totally different way. We're kind of assuming that they're going to go with Infinity Gauntlet story, but maybe they're going to do something totally different. So we'll just have to kind of see how that goes. Uh, moving on to our next news, Rhiannon, and this is something that I think you definitely will like to talk about. Um, this last week, Sigourney Weaver made sort of her first comments about her role in The Defenders. And it's kind of weird, so I'm going to read it, and then we're going to let you tell us what this means. Uh, She said, Basically, the four heroes come up against a really nice woman who I'm playing, she joked. It's been a blast, and I really love my character. I love the shows, too, which I wasn't familiar with before doing this. 
a real love letter to New York. To me, they're not superheroes. They're people with a gift. It's just a different scale, and I'm really enjoying the scale of it. The apocalyptic thing is a little harder for me to understand. All right, what do you think? What does she mean by the apocalyptic thing? Well, I mean, I took when she... You can hear me, right? Yeah. Okay, Um, I took what she meant by the apocalyptic thing as comparing the Netflix universe to the the cinematic universe or the, the theatrical film version of stuff. Did you guys get that same interpretation? So I'm not sure. Like to me, that's one way you can read it is where she kind of says, I'm enjoying the scale of Netflix. The apocalyptic thing in the movies is a little harder for me to understand. Or she could be saying, uh, it's a different scale and I'm enjoying the scale of it. Even though at first this apocalyptic thing was a little harder for me to understand. I mean, I just, when it comes to Sigourney, I, in my head, she's going to be Mephisto. And whenever she's talking about it, it just, to me, reiterates Mephisto, Mephisto, Mephisto. Um, and so there easily could be, I mean, I, I'm assuming, I have my whole, I have it all worked out in my head that, you know, like she's Mephisto, she's leading the hand because they've changed all of the hand dynamics. You know, the very first teaser that we got for the Defenders was a big hand. Right. You know, and and stick there telling them they don't know anything. Um, so I'm assuming Sigourney is going to be some mystical leader of the hand that the Defenders are going against. And they have that big hole in downtown Manhattan from Daredevil season season two. Which that, they never really explained to us remotely. Yeah. And who knows? I mean, if there is something apocalyptic in the Defenders, then it very easily could have to do with that giant hole that we still don't know the purpose of. You know, we know Elektra is coming back. I mean, I cannot believe that they that they didn't keep that to be a secret. And so if Elektra is coming back, you know, who knows? There could be some huge event. There could be a huge raising of the dead type event. Um, that involves more than her. There's all kinds of stuff that could be happening. But in my head, it's that Sigourney is Mephisto. She's leading the hand there. And and this is going to be the big battle that all of the defenders come against. Yet we continue, like, the -the behind-the-scenes photos and everything that we've seen. I mean, Jessica and Luke don't wear costumes, but we're seeing a lot of Matt Murdock as Matt Murdock. And we're seeing there were some pictures this week. I think they'll probably be in the pulse um, of Danny Rand as Danny Rand, you know, just like on the streets in a suit. You know, we're seeing lots of Matt Murdock in a suit. You know, I, I just I haven't gotten a feeling of what the tone is going to be or anything. I'm trying to remember with season two. Did we see ninjas? I feel like we didn't see ninjas until the trailer. You know, like we didn't fully get the hand until there was that shot in the trailer of them like cascading down the hospital. Is that true or not? Like, how do they shoot this stuff and people aren't taking tons of photos of it? I see. I, I was surrounded by the ninja. I was there when they were filming the giant ninja fight for the season finale. Okay. I, I ran into Peter Shinkoda behind the scenes when they were doing that big rooftop fight. So. 
I knew there were ninjas. Okay. <laughs> Insider information. And yeah, and that sort of twisted my view of everything because I knew there were ninjas. Um, I don't, so I don't know how big of a surprise it was or how how under wraps it was for everybody else. Yeah. She's got to be a huge character, you know, someone, uh, an actress of her caliber. Sigourney's got to be someone big. It makes sense to be a Mephisto-type character. Um, but, I mean, who knows? Who, who really knows? You know, they could take it in any direction. Yeah. And they could take it in a direction that we have no idea about. You know, that's what, like just like you were saying with Infinity War or with Guardians and Infinity War. You know, we're in territory that that we have no idea I mean, because the, one of the Iron Fist clips that we saw at Comic-Con, Danny Rand said, I am the immortal Iron Fist, enemy of the hand. I am the only one that can defeat the hand. So he's going to have a very big, you know, we're going to learn a lot about the hand in Iron Fist. Yeah. The other thing that keeps messing with my mind is they have shown that they'll gender swap these characters. And so I'm also trying to think, like, okay, who could she be that would be, like, a great character? I'm just not thinking of it because I'm not thinking it would be a woman, you know? But that really is, I don't know, that's about it. Um, I guess the only other thing is we did hear that apparently Captain Marvel director searching is starting slightly more in earnest. But it seems like that's taking forever. Um, Do you guys have any thoughts on Captain Marvel, a particular director you want to see in that role? I have no idea. I just, I'm surprised they haven't selected a director yet. They, because there were director rumors back when there were Brie Larson rumors. Yeah. So, I just can't believe that they've hired their Captain Marvel and six months later haven't hired their director. Yeah, and we've known about Ryan Coogler, uh, whose movie is about a year before Captain Marvel. I feel like we've known about him forever. And he's just been, like, hanging out writing a script for a really long time. So I'm not really sure why they're taking so long. But I'm sure they are doing their due diligence to find the best person they can get. All right. I think we're going to go ahead and talk about Slingshot a little bit right now. So Adam and I are going to discuss that because we're the two that have seen it thus far. All right, Adam, uh, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about Slingshot. I guess my first question is just, did you think this was an exercise in something fun and you want to see again, or maybe something less than that? Yeah, I I guess I wouldn't really mind it again. Um, Obviously, it wasn't that much content in it. There wasn't anything groundbreaking, you know, it it, it developed the character of Yo-Yo, you know, we saw her uh, decide not to kill someone that killed her family, you know, so I think that speaks a lot about her character. And there's kind of a um, heart to heart type moment with Agent May where Agent May was playing the, the badass she typically did. But she, in reality, pretty much saved Yo-Yo from whatever director Mace would have done, you know. So there was some character development in terms of uh, Yo-Yo. Um, 
but outside of that i mean it, i don't know <laughs> you know it's good if you want to get other play or not players but other uh characters uh you know but i mean it, it really the story didn't do anything for me you know yeah i just don't see a whole lot of point in it i mean it's fine and i guess it's kind of showing how spoiled we are that uh, we've gotten to a point where it bothers me or that I would even care that they make something that's kind of pointless. It's mm-hmm. just, I don't know, it seemed like it really wasn't much of anything. Uh, the special effects were fine. And it just kind of felt like maybe it was, it almost felt like a bad Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. script. that <laughs> The um, showrunners were kind of like, oh, we can't really use this on the show. But, I don't know, maybe we could put something on the web. You know, like, it just wasn't, I don't know, it was fair but not great to me, so. Yeah, and that was one of the biggest things today, you know. I was just reading all sorts of articles about how um, everyone who directed an episode hadn't directed something before, you know. So maybe it's their version of a a minor league sports team or or something, you know, (laughs) trying to develop their their writers and directors and stuff and this. But that's the other thing, I mean. Was it really necessary to have six different cliffs? You know, because I'm watching on the ABC app, and then every two minutes it would stop and play a Geico ad and do the intro again and the credits <laughs> again. And it's just like I would have been fine with one half hour episode. You know, essentially it's a glorified one shot, is what it is. I mean, the, the, we had the Stanley cameo right off the bat. Uh, you know, Colson was in it a little bit, Quake was in it a little bit. Fitz and Simmons were in it a little bit, which as technologically advanced they are, I thought that was kind of a plot hole a little bit. <laughs> you know, Yo-Yo is being very protective of the computer, and none of those two picked it up, which I'm like, uh, if anyone would have, it, it was them, you know. Well, I also thought it was weird that that computer makes a ton of sound, like for the viewers. Like they had all these like sound effects going on it, and I'm like, how are Fitz and Simmons not hearing this <laughs> thing? It's so loud. Yeah, and that's the other thing. They know what her powers are, and then that stuff just randomly fell off the desk, and they're like, oh, just the wind or whatever. I'm like, but you know what she can do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? or also that apparently Director Mesa's office has zero security as long as you show up before 7 a.m., Right at the end where they just, like, go in and they're able to delete files in his office because they just – apparently he doesn't lock his door or anything. Like, that seemed kind of crazy. Yeah, I'm like, okay, I I get that Daisy's a hacker, but hacking uh, the equivalency of, like, a CIA-type deal, you know? It's just like – Wow. Okay, it's that easy to go in and delete the thing. And then the effect, I kind of chuckled at the effects because <laughs> it pops up and it's like, "Are you sure you want to delete this?" I'm like, <laughs> you know, I just thought it was kind of silly, but you know, it did give us a good look into you know Yo Yo Rodriguez, and uh, that's really it. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, I also I'm, liked how connected it was though to like the yeah. the rest of the universe. Mm-hmm. As far as, like, they mention the Sokovia Accords, they mention the Raft, there's kind of a call-out to Peggy Carter. I didn't realize until I did some research today that, that the bad guy in it is actually the same guy from the intro to Yo-Yo episode. Like, he was one of the um, prison guards or whatever in that episode, and so he was, like, a recurring character. Okay. And so I thought it was kind of cool that they did... Um, this had the percentage of 
connection points that people want in these shows just because it was so short and they put a bunch of them in. And so I thought that was kind of cool as far as universe building. I just didn't, I don't know. I was fine that I saw it, but I don't know if I'd ever be ecstatic for them to do another one. If they did, I'll watch it, but that's just because I'll watch anything. From yeah, that's the, that's a, that's one thing I was going to bring up. There were more cameos or universe building points in these thirty minutes than there was in a season of Luke Cage, <laughs> you know. But uh, it, that comes with a thing, you know. The, and that's another thing. I mean, I, I'm not a film expert or anything by any means, but it just seems like the type of thing that it's pretty easy to film when everyone's on set. You know, that's that's why I, I like to reference like a Wong or something, you know, someone that's not big enough to get their own series or spinoff film or something, you know. But, I mean, take a couple days and film some extra content. I mean, you, you might be able to use content from deleted scenes or something, you know, and then tack that on to uh, the Blu-ray or something like that. But. Like you said, it's it's thirty minutes, so it's not that bad a watch. I mean, if if you absolutely hate it, you're out thirty minutes. <laughs> so, and it is kind of a good uh, thing to have in the hopper. You know, I, if, if, I'm not sure. I would guess they can track the views or something like that, especially since it's a digitally based thing. You know, it, it's a good thing that you know we have Inhumans coming. Maybe maybe they start kind of doing these for. C and D list in humans, you know, so we can get more in depth look at their their powers and, and things like that. But I don't. Her powers don't necessarily impress me, you know, because uh, I watch the Flash every week, and you know, it's hard not to compare someone like that to the Flash or even a character like Quicksilver, you know. All right, I think that's uh, probably good for now. So that was Slingshot, and uh, we'll see if ABC ever does something like this again. All right, we want to take a little time to celebrate the holiday cheer of the season and talk about things that you could get your big Marvel fan in your life for Christmas or things that you could give to us for Christmas because we'd like them too. Um, guys, we didn't really talk too much about this ahead of time. What? Anybody have some ideas of some things that would be good holiday gifts for the Marvel fan? Absolutely. My okay, so the two biggest things I have, they're not really MCU centric. They are Marvel related, however. Um hands down, I just voted for it for the IGN's uh best series of the year. And yesterday the second trade came out. Um but the Vision Volume One and Volume Two, I think they're just both over ten bucks, maybe nine ninety nine on Amazon or something. Um, obviously, the first trade collects issues one through six, and the second collects seven through twelve, um, which is convenient enough. It ended with section or not section issue twelve. It's just an amazing storyline. It t- took a couple of issues to kind of to build up. But I'm glad that once uh, Tom King signed as an exclusive with DC, he was able to actually wrap up the storyline um, within all 12 issues. And it's 
it's really hard to explain, you know, to, to uh, paraphrase Jeremiah, one of our writers, it, it is a little bit gritty. It's kind of like a, a psychological thriller type deal. You know, all the guy wants is people like him. And when he makes people like him, it essentially goes to everything goes to hell. You know, um, it's an awesome story. Um, it has a little bit of everything. I love the art. Uh, Gabriel Hernandez Walta um, has some beautiful art in there. Um, but I mean, for the whole series, you can get both trade paperbacks for uh, just over 20 bucks. I have both of those on my Christmas wish list. Um, yeah, that series is really great. Um, I'm only on like issue seven because I'm doing it with Marvel Unlimited. But mm-hmm. it is, it's kind of like a weird horror thing or Twilight Zone thing. I've heard other people call it like Breaking Bad for Marvel, which mm-hmm. I don't totally get because I, I didn't watch Breaking Bad. But um, no, it's a really, it's a great series. I love that series a lot. Absolutely. It is. That's, that's actually a pretty good comparison. You know, I mean, think of how powerful a character like Vision is. And then he creates a wife and two teenage kids with those same powers. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of like a Holden Radcliffe with LMDs, you know, I mean, it can't end up good, <laughs> right. you know, just, just the way that the universe works, it can't end up good. And quite frankly, it doesn't. Um, but it's awesome. Um, I have, uh, I have all 12 single issues. I think I almost have all the variants and almost have the, the entire complete run. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely, even if I don't get it for Christmas, I'm going to buy it anyways. It's just an excellent series. Rhiannon, do you have any good ideas for our holiday gift list? Well, I, I always recommend a Marvel Unlimited account. Um, yes. I, I can't believe how many comic book readers don't have one because you can get a year subscription for like $60. It's compared to like what you can spend reading the hundreds of comics that are available or thousands that are available through it. I, I just can't recommend it enough. And I think you can buy a gift account. Um, have you ever gotten the premium subscription with like the action figure and stuff? Well, yeah, I have Marvel Unlimited Plus. Um, and that's how, like, I got to go to the Luke Cage premiere in Harlem. And I got to go to an earlier screening for Doctor Strange. These are all things, like, you only get invites to that stuff if your delivery address has a zip code, like, in the New York metro area. So um, when I came, I, I'm up in New Jersey on business long term, so I, I changed my Marvel Unlimited address to my hotel <laughs> and got those invitations. Because, like, if you're in North Carolina or Georgia or something, you get invites to, like, some special stuff at the cons. But that's also, when I went to New York Comic Con, that got me into the Marvel True Believers panel. The Ryan Panagos, the, the Agent M that runs the Marvel digital account their uh twitter feed and their digital stuff um i got to see the iron fist clips in that panel again so like if you didn't make it to the iron fist panel itself you could go to that one and it wasn't advertised that you would get to see him but he did show two of the clips again so there's some really cool stuff if you go to cons or if you live in a major metro area i think the folks in la got invited to like the agents of shield premiere um, if you live in one of the big metro areas, 
um, the Marvel Unlimited Plus account is a definite thing that you need. That's really cool. I'm up in Rhode Island, but I would definitely, you know, take yeah. the the bus down to New York City for something like that. That's really cool. So right, I didn't know yeah, they yeah. Do all that stuff. Yeah, you just. I mean, you, I, I have no idea if Rhode Island's close enough to get invited to the premieres and everything. But if you have a friend in New York or New Jersey. And Just you can set it up address, yeah. at their address. Yeah. I have a friend here in New Jersey that I took with me to the Doctor Strange event. And she was like, yeah, when you leave town, you can just keep everything here. <laughs> you can just change it to my address. But, um, I mean, at those events they do, they check your ID and everything. So it's not like you could just sell off your ticket to somebody else. Right. But, um, but it's very cool. And, I mean, for the price and the stuff I've gotten to go to, it was totally worth it. Yeah, I was actually going to say Marvel Unlimited subscription because I, I don't have the uh, like the plus one, but I just use it all the time. It is crazy, the backlog of stuff. I've been trying to um, read every Inhuman story in the history of Marvel. This has kind of become like my thing since I heard the TV show was coming. And I'm shocked that thus far there's nothing from that like early 1960s Inhuman stuff that is not on Marvel Unlimited. Even series that I had never heard of, like uh, Amazing Tales, which was like a team-up uh, series they did, where they do like half an issue of Inhuman stuff and half an issue of Black Widow. Like it's all there and it's all for one low monthly cost. It's it's crazy. Like I love Marvel Unlimited. Um, along that line, uh, on subscription stuff, I think several of us have done the Funko uh, Collector Core um, subscription, you get a box every two months that has some Funkos along different themes. That is awesome. I started with one thinking I'd get it and be done. And I think I'm on my fourth or fifth box now and I haven't stopped it. So that would be something really cool. Uh, they started a new one uh, with Loot Crate called Marvel Gear and Goods. Uh, their first one had this huge like Doctor Strange bathrobe that I'm actually really sad that I didn't um, get. Um, but they kind of do a lot of like houseware stuff that's in Marvel, which is kind of interesting. Um, it's probably more practical than the toy stuff. So that's really cool. And so there's just lots of those things that you could, you know, help, uh, somebody in your life to subscribe to. It's the kind of stuff I always feel guilty buying for myself, but love for other people to buy for me. And the other thing that I was thinking about was, uh, have you guys seen any of this, uh, premium role playing stuff out of Marvel Legends? I have not, no. Okay, so they've only put out two pieces so far, and the idea is to make, like, high-quality movie-esque props that you can buy. And the two things they've done so far is they've made an Iron Man helmet and a full-size replica Captain America shield. And they're both, like, metal. They're, like, beautifully painted. They have, like, the shine... And the chrome feel, you know, of all the movie props. And they're kind of, they're pretty reasonable. They're like $99 a piece. But for a while, Amazon was selling them for $49 a piece. And I know I have asked for, and I'm hoping that it is coming, a, um, a full-fledged, like, two-scale Captain America shield with, like, leather straps that are adjustable and stuff like that. Like, it is just so cool, and they look so high quality, and they just look awesome. And so, uh, anyways, those are really cool. Hasbro's been working on them, and they're talking about doing more. That they might do like a, 
a Thanos like Infinity Gauntlet like metal glove. Uh, they were talking about like a Wolverine mask, like all those kinds of things, like legit human sized stuff. So it, it's pretty cool. No, I just pulled up the collector course page and I'm going <laughs> to reg- register myself. I used to do, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, like Geek Block, I think it was called, or okay. Nerd Block. There's a Nerd Block, yeah. Yeah, that's probably the one. And the stuff was too, like, it was a huge, wide variety from, like, every publisher, you know. Uh, the one, or I got two boxes, and, like, one of the boxes had a Star Trek comic in it but an Ant-Man t-shirt and uh, like uh, some image patch from image comics. And it was just too wide of a of flavor, I guess, but you're I'm not looking enough through the of an equal opportunity nerd for that is what you're saying. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It was actually a, uh, what was it? It was a Star Trek slash Green Lantern crossover comic, and I've never been a Trekkie, um, and I've just recently gotten into some DC stuff. Um, I guess Green Lantern's essentially the the Guardian type Cosmo thing at DC, but yeah, it just wasn't wasn't my thing. Um, but I mean, looking through these boxes, it's awesome. Like I want that Star Lord mug from a year ago. That's awesome. Yeah, that one may still be available. Once you become a subscriber, you can buy old boxes. Um, Not all of them are still in stock, but some of them are. And I want to say the Guardians one is. Um, They are not Hmm. selling the old Age of Ultron one with the big Hulkbuster pop, which makes me sad. But yeah, I think that one is available. All right, so let's jump into kind of our main conversation. And this will be a rehash of something we recorded but couldn't put out a couple weeks ago. Uh, We just want to kind of wrap up 2016. Uh, With Slingshot out, there is no more Marvel content coming this calendar year. And so we're just going to kind of look a little bit into the rearview mirror and talk about things we liked and didn't like from 2016. Let's just start with the question of kind of what was your uh, favorite moment of 2016 in the Marvel Universe? What really was the thing that sticks out for you? So, Rhiannon, I guess we will let you go first. Um, so when we did this, well, I, I mean, definitely seeing all of the Defenders together. I mean, that wasn't a Marvel show. That was behind the scenes. That was, you know, on the stage at a con. But finally seeing all of the Defenders together. there with Charlie and Kristen and Mike and Finn. Um that was definitely, definitely a highlight. And for um, our listeners, if, you were like there physically. Like you're not just talking about yes. Twitter photos. You were oh, in the room. I mean, but I'm telling you, I would have been just as excited if I was following <laughs> along on Twitter and Twitter photos. I mean, I, I, yes, I was in the room because I was at, at, at New York Comic Con. Um, and I may have been one of the ones that started the chant that people have heard about. <laughs> um <laughs> I definitely, I mean, I did not start it, but I was definitely, you know, within a row or two of the people that did and helped it grow. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, and then that's, I. so that was my first real con as well. And I just loved being around so many people that were so enthusiastic about everything. Um, I mean, if we're looking for a moment from the show... I think the moment the words cell block D were said in Daredevil season two, 
Oh, yeah. I might have screamed a little bit as if I was at Comic-Con. <laughs> uh, when they said Cell Block D and then, like, followed it up with Matt Murdock going to the prison with Wilson Fisk, that just... It's one of those things, like, I never thought to ask for. You know, I did not expect. But it was so perfect. So those are my highlights for 2016. All right, Adam? Yeah, the the things that stood out to me the most were, were probably the Luke Cage villains, or at least two of the three um, primary ones, I guess. Uh Cottonmouth and uh, Mariah Dillard. Those, uh, they both really stuck out to me. You know, Civil War and Doctor Strange, I think uh, we kind of understood at least what we were getting, you know, whereas may I know I really didn't know what to expect um, from Luke Cage at all. Um, so the, the thing that stood out to me, I mean, Black Mariah was terrifying. I mean, Alfre wondered how, how calm she was at times, but then killing people and stuff. I mean, I just thought that was kind of a certain level of, of terrifying. Yeah. Um, for me, I think it's, um, it was the, it was the airport scene in civil war. And I always say for me, it's really when giant man, like, popped up. It was really amazing to me that I knew that was coming. Like I had seen it in the Lego sets and all that kind of stuff. And so it's not like there was going to be any surprise there, but there was still like a, what's it going to look like? How's it going to feel? And so, um, when Paul Rudd is, you know, running and he goes, Hey guys, I think I've got an idea, you know, like I'm just in my chair, like chanting, you know, like do it, do it, do it. <laughs> Come on. And it was so much fun. And the fact that Spider-Man was like zooming around on his face and stuff was really funny as well. I mean, that whole thing, that movie for me, just like it brought so much joy to like just be so unabashedly comic-y. And it just felt like all these years of building kind of like came to fruition. I mean, at this point, I kind of feel like Infinity War is like it's playing with house money. If that movie is great, awesome. And if it's not great, well, I still have that Civil War, you know, memory to like fall Absolutely. back on as like the fruition of all these years of, of watching these movies and stuff. And so I was just so excited. I do personally find Civil War to be the best Marvel movie. Um, it's just was so much fun to watch that movie and particularly the airport scene and just how much joy that came from it. <clears throat> so um, on the negative side of things, what is the most disappointing thing for you in the last year of Marvel? What's the thing that you're kind of looking forward to and you're just like, oh, that did not work out as well as I was hoping? All right. If we're starting with me again, I mean, one, this is like, you know, of the pile of chocolate, which piece of chocolate wasn't as fantastic as all the other chocolate. I... Just, I, w- I loved Cottonmouth and Luke Cage so much that I was, that I missed him so much the second half of Luke Cage. And Diamondback just didn't seem to fill the villain role for me in the tone and everything that I was enjoying. 
So second half of Luke Cage, maybe, you know, my least favorite piece of chocolate that Marvel <laughs> gave us. Yeah, I don't the, my least favorite thing. Um hmm. Uh one of the least favorite things, Diamondback's uniform. I think when we went over this last time, I thought it was corny as hell. I didn't like it. Um I don't know. That's that's the thing. I mean, I'm such a damn MCU fanboy. I don't want to say so and so. Um, I mean, Civil War was great. Doctor Strange was great. I still, I'm still not sure if I like Casilius in that. You know, I think Mads Mikkelsen was kind of underused a bit. I don't know. Everyone, I think I'm kind of in the uh, small, small minority of that um but i just think he wasn't really used to his full potential i think it i don't know kind of a small role but by and large i just thought diamondbacks costume was way too comic booky yeah for me it's um i'm actually gonna go to daredevil season two and <gasps> the thing i know <laughs> for shame <laughs> no well the thing was so uh, there's like this moment where they're prepping for this final battle and Matt is like giving his undying love to Electra, which kind of bugs me because I was kind of team Karen a little more in that situation anyways. But he's telling Electra how much she's wonderful and meaningful and they should just run away together. And the whole time they're building it up like there's a literal army of ninjas like below and above them. And they kind of like kick out the door and they're about to fight and in my head, I have one of these, like, awesome, like, splash panels from a comic, you know, where he's, like, kicking one ninja with one foot, and he's got his hand on another guy's face, and he's throwing the billy club with the other arm, and the other foot is, like, I don't know, like, on the edge of a building, like, holding him in place. Like, one of these things where he's just fighting this mass of people. And he gets on the roof... And it was kind of like, I don't know, 12 or 13 guys and Nobu. And they immediately kind of break it down to a one-on-one battle. And then Punisher shows up, but he doesn't really shoot anybody. I mean, I guess he shoots someone, but he's like... I just had this image of a melee with hundreds of extras and, you know, like bodies flying all over the place when Punisher starts shooting into them. And it just seemed a little anticlimactic. In the end, like I just wanted more chaos and mayhem and like, you know, Lord of the Rings style CGI army or something, which is probably completely unrealistic to expect from that show. But that was kind of my one uh, down point that I just wish that that had been a little more, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, like I said, that was where I was there and I was when they were filming it. And I felt like I was in the middle of all those ninjas. And I swear to you, there were like hundreds of them on set that day. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's, there's like a helicopter shot, so you could like see the whole rooftop. And I'm like, wait yeah, a second, no. I can count those guys. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I remember even when I was there and they were filming, and I was like, I think this is supposed to be some big battle, but like, where are the hundreds of ninjas they should have? <laughs> like, maybe they'll be CGI'd in and it'll be huge, but no, yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and there also wasn't like a big Punisher moment. You know, like, I forget. I think he snipers one guy or something. But, like, I was just kind of expecting him to come in with, like, you know, a mini tank or something and just, like, really go to town. So 
Uh, I felt like it was a little anticlimactic for him too. Um, so we talked about this again when we had this conversation earlier, but we'll we'll try to have it afresh now. Uh, do you have a um, an MVP, like an actor or a creator that for you is just kind of uh, the person deserving m- most credit for the last year? Uh, if you want to give one for TV and one for movie, we have a little longer, I think, in this conversation this time. But, um, you know, who for you really stuck out this time? Adam, we'll, we'll start with you this, this go around. Okay, so one TV and one movie. Um, I'll go with Alfre Woodard for their performance as Black Mariah. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, I mean, who – I don't want to say a spoiler – but who she killed, I mean, yeah, that's nuts. It's, it's just crazy. I couldn't even fathom doing that. I guess I'm not a superhero or villain. Um, but my MVP for TV, MVP for movie, that's that's a bit tricky. Um, hmm. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I can't pick Baby Groot, can I, since he was just in a trailer? <laughs> no, I think that's 20. I, I thought you'd for sure say Wong. You seem to be a big Wong guy. I am a. I just love the corny sidekick type stuff. You know, Wong's just. It, it was awesome. You know, the one person I won't choose as my MVP is probably Brett Dalton as Hive. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think last time I ch- chose the cloak levitation. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I think you did. Yeah. But I don't know. Thinking about it, you know, I thought the cloak levitation was was funny. Wong listened to Beyonce. That was hilarious. Um, one movie MVP, Benedict Wong. I'll go with it. Awesome. What about you, Rhiannon? Well, starting with the movies, I mean, my movie MVP is Scott Derrickson, the director of Doctor Strange, because he just, I mean, he pulled that together. You know, this was a totally new direction for a Marvel film, and he nailed it. It was wonderful. And he was enjoyable. I mean, he was accessible on social media. He interacted with fans. He was reading our articles. I mean, if, yeah, if he we liked mentioned- one of my articles today. I was so excited. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, he, he's... Totally, and, and he corrected one of our. You know, I remember there was some article that we put out, and he was like, "No, no, I mean, I mean, maybe the quote says that, but that's not what I meant and stuff." Yeah, that was my article. My bad. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I, <laughs> this is why he's not um, Adam, Adam's MVP. <laughs> Adam publicly apologizes. To Scott no, I was just sorry, Scott. Scott, I'm sorry. That was like one of my first MCUX articles. I apologize. You know, I still like you, man. It's cool. So, I mean, I, I just, you, everything that I loved about Doctor Strange, you know, Benedict, the cloak of, cloak of levitation, Wong, everything, I mean, that all comes down to Scott's vision was great, and he executed it wonderfully, and I, I, I love it. Um in the TV, in the TV world, definitely not going with Brad Dalton. Yay. <laughs> and I mean, a shout out to Mariah as well. That was a great pick with Mariah Dillard. Um, you know, Elodie as Electra. 
that was a character that could have gone in so many different directions. And I feel like, while I don't think it's a character, I don't think it's a situation that could ever be nailed. I think I love her and I love the Electra that she brought us. Yeah. And I look forward to seeing whatever may be in her future. Yeah, it's definitely her own version of it, which is kind of hard to do when you're talking about the characters as popular and famous as these characters are. So, Yeah. Uh, for my two, um, again, it seems kind of boring, but I really think Chris Evans doesn't get like nearly enough credit for what he did, particularly in Civil War, but just generally as Cap. Um, Civil War was a movie that had so many like really juicy like side parts where you know you've got the youthful energy of Tom Holland and Spider-Man and the way that uh, we had Black Panther brought to us as this dignified monarch and Tony Stark has that crazy arc of just deep intense pain and even Paul Rudd got to be sort of comedic relief in kind of a really fun way and there's all these actors that are getting to like pop off in like little five, ten minute spurts all around him. And in the core of that movie, you need Chris Evans to like hold the whole thing down and add some sort of gravity and meaning. And I know some people felt like this was more Avengers 3 than Cap 3, but I thought it was really a Captain America movie. It finishes like a trilogy arc for him. And so for Evans to like be our our eyes through that to just talk about how hard all of that stuff is and how he stays true to himself, but also true to the things he's given his life to. Like, I just think that's really complicated and really hard. And I think he does it so well. And he manages to take a character that was made in the 1940s, but not make him feel old fashioned, but also to make him so true to who he's been. I just think that he's done an incredible job of not overacting it or underacting it that he just is exactly who he should be to the point now that whenever they try to replace him, I think most of us assume they're going to go with Bucky cap or Falcon cap or something. Cause we just can't imagine another actor being captain America. You know, Chris Evans is so much that guy. So I thought he was really great uh, this year. Um, on the TV side, um, I think the easy one that nobody's taken is John Bernthal. He was just so good oh, at the snap. Punisher. Yeah, it's pretty easy. I thought I thought maybe it one was... of you guys would steal it this time, but <laughs> you're being nice to me. Uh, he was just very good in his role. Um, speaking of those two, I would love to see a scene between Bernthal and Evans. It's sort of like these two versions of a soldier separated by 100 years or whatever. That would be fascinating to kind of see their interaction and how they go about stuff. Uh, but Bernthal was... You know, kind of crazy, but never in a way that was like sort of disrespectful. And there's so many ways they could have screwed up sort of the PTSD veteran part of that, but they didn't. And I just thought that Bernthal did a great job. So I thought he was my my MVP on the TV side. The only thing you wish is that he killed a million ninjas. That's right. Yeah. There just could have been a little more ninja killing. I mean, when he spray-painted the skull on his shirt, you're like, he's about to go crazy. And then he just kind of, I don't know, he blew up the house. See you later, Red. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I'm excited to see that series, too, and how that'll go. The other thing that was crazy to me about that is how well they made the Karen-Punisher relationship work. 
Oh my gosh. That's not a traditional comic thing, right? But still they made that so good and so rich in chemistry and not necessarily sexual chemistry either, you know, like it was a kind of platonic thing. So I just thought that was fabulous. Yeah, I mean, the the whole arc that they've created for Karen, her stepping into Ben's shoes, her becoming that investigative journalist, taking that role, because I think everybody after Daredevil season one was like, what are we, you know, if we don't have Ben Yurik, what do we have? And moving Karen into that role is a huge thing for the MCU. So... Yeah, I'm I'm not going to lie what we were talking about, like the digital short thing today. I totally spaced that Ben Yurick died. I'm like, he should get like a digital short like uh, <laughs> yo-yo. And then I like was Googling. I'm like, oh, man, he was killed. Spoiler alert, by the way, for those two years behind. Um, um, if, you're, but, if, you're, if you're listening to us and you're two years behind on your Netflix MCU, sorry. Who well, are you and why are you the, watching the show is actually what yeah, we are like you to know. listening to us. <laughs> Turn off the podcast. It has, if you're listening to this because you don't have time to watch TV, Daredevil has fabulous audio uh, uh, audio version, like through Netflix where they do the audio description. Have you guys ever listened to that? No, I have not. It has, I mean, it's like listening to a podcast or a book on tape or something. They have a guy narrating everything that's happening on screen. And he's great. If you're listening to this podcast because you don't have time to watch TV and you still haven't watched Daredevil season one, just go turn on your audio description and get that out of the way. Yeah, right. Like you have just wasted 45 minutes that you could have been spent (laughs) watching Daredevil. What are you doing? Okay, one final thing that we are trying to do that we think is a fun feature um, is a little bit we call If I Were Jeff Loeb or If I Was Kevin Feige. And I'm going to go ahead and take that this week because I recently had what I think is a brilliant idea. Uh, And again, it's for Jeff Loeb. It's on the TV side. And I had this idea, shockingly enough, because I was watching Gilmore Girls with my wife. Now, I need to say up front, particularly since this is going out into the internet, I do not love Gilmore Girls. This is not like my favorite show. But my wife likes to watch it. I kind of enjoy how quick the dialogue is. And so I was watching it. And as we were watching, um, one of the characters on that show... Do either of you guys watch this show? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know her friend. Uh, you'll have to remind me her name. I do not. The, the Korean girl that lives in the village. Um, yes. in the band. Yes. Okay. I know who you're talking about. I... I'm thinking Lanny. Is that or Lane? Yeah, Lane. I think it's Lane. Okay, so if you don't watch the show, I don't blame you. But the sh- there's this character named Lane, and she's from a uh, Korean family. I think she's first generation, um, born in the United States, and her parents are very conservative uh, Christian people. And so some of her storyline is like bucking against them a little bit because she wants to be like a professional musician. And as I watched that character and her sort of struggling with like respecting her family, but also wanting to be her own person and kind of the, the religious and cultural gaps between her and her parents. All I could think of is that the woman who writes Gilmore girls needs to do a Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel show. Uh, Her Mm -hmm. name is, Amy Sherman Palladino, 
And mm-hmm. the way that Gilmore Girls does their dialogue, and it's so snappy, and it's full of pop culture references, I just found myself realizing that when I read Miss Marvel, I kind of read it in my head with, like, Gilmore Girl voices, you know, like, kind of the banter. <laughs> yes. And I think that if they could get Amy Sherman Palladino to do a Miss Marvel pilot and just allow all of that good writing and particularly that character of Lane and sort of like use that same setup where you have this character who's got these parents that came from Pakistan and all these religious expectations, but she's trying to be her own person, but she's also respectful of her past. Like, I just feel like she could write that character really well. And it would be fun to have a Marvel show that was as talky as, you know, Gilmore Girls or, like, an Alan Sorkin kind of show. Like, I would love for Kamala Khan to just be constantly going off on pop culture references and her parents are like, what are you talking about? Or she's (laughs) bouncing back and forth with her friends about pop culture stuff. I just think that would be a fascinating writer for a TV show. And I do think that you want it to be uh, a TV show. Like, to me, Miss Marvel works on kind of a slower build story. And so if I was Jeff Loeb, Amy Sherman Palladino would be getting a call to see what she would do with Miss Marvel. What do you guys think? Heck yeah. I mean, yeah. it's got to be a matter of uh, when, not if, right? When we're talking with Kamala Khan and Miss Marvel, it's it's got to be happening sometime, doesn't it? Yeah, I think one of the biggest reasons they wait is just because she's kind of derivative of Captain Marvel. And so you kind of have to wait until Captain Marvel exists to have Miss Marvel, but yeah, and I mean, you know, it all depends on what they have planned for what universe. You know, if the movie side really wants her at this point, but I, I think it's a great idea. I could definitely see if Runaways works, having Miss Marvel in like the uh, the Hulu universe, hoping that's becoming a thing. You know, um, I think that would be really cool. I think. I think those those comics both have the same artist, right? That's probably part of the reason I'm connecting them in my head, but uh, they just seem to have a similar vibe to me, and they could go go together really well. All right. Uh, I think that's about going to do it for us this week, unless I am forgetting anything. Give us any closing thoughts and how to better connect with you as we wrap up here on the podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, love having any feedback. Um yeah, you can find us on Twitter. I'm Shot of Patron on Twitter. I um, also ramble on things that I'm just as clueless about uh, at Super Ladies podcast, like Super Ladies, but with a T. And you can leave us comments on the MCU Exchange where we have this posted or anywhere. Let us know what you want from this. For sure. I am at Adam Barnhart, B-A-R-N-H-A-R-D-T on Twitter and the Instagram. I got like a follower after last episode and we came together on our mutual, I don't want to say hate, but our mutual dislike for a fifth Brett Dalton character in the MCU. So yeah, leave us comments. Let us know uh, what you want to hear. Hashtag MCUX pod is the, the hashtag we use. So uh, let us know what you want to hear uh, coming forward in 2017. Um, and the biggest thing you've got to be looking for has to be Baby Groot. It's got to be. 
As Adam said, we are going to take a little break here for Christmas. Uh, we don't expect a ton of news to drop. Maybe if something huge happens, we'll do an emergency podcast. But um, generally, you guys enjoy your holidays. Have a good time with your family. I am Caleb Borchers. You can find me at Caleb A. Borchers. Uh, I have approximately 13 followers, so it would be great to have you join. And uh, thanks for listening to the show. Give us some feedback. We'd love to see how we can make this more enjoyable and fun for you guys. So uh, give us a sense of that. So um, this has been the Nobody Wants Brent Dalton back on Agents of Sh- I mean, I'm sorry, the <laughs> MCU Exchange Podcast. And we really appreciate you guys listening. Have a good night. We'll talk to you later. Bye.